0: Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio six thirty Chad six thirty Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. brought to you by Digitex Office Equipment Solutions North America wide yeah Digitex does that D I G I T E X dot ca on Oilers Radio six thirty Chad. Orders Now, Bob Stoffer joining you from uh, Costa Mesa, California. The order is hitting the ice over at the Honda Center in half an hour. We'll have an update with Mark Spector at that time. Second hour of orders Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Trusted by 630 Chad, visit their new e-commerce site, order supplies, printers, and more at digitex.ca. We're going to head straight off to a River Curry Resort and Casino hotline, 780 496 Every Thursday on Oilers Now, fast becoming a very popular feature. For our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta is leader in electrical construction and service, electrical, prefabrication, and solar. We welcome back longtime NHL executive now with NHL Hockey and Rogers, Brian Burke. Brian, how are you? Good, Bob. How are you? Uh, good. It's been a uh, emotional week uh, for the Edmonton Oilers organization. A uh, hard-fought game against Calgary Saturday. Two-hour delay uh, Saturday night flying out of Calgary to get back to Edmonton. Second time this year we had a, a flight delay out of Calgary. Uh, some might say there's something going on there. Uh, and then obviously the loss to Vegas, which ultimately led to uh, the final straw uh, for Oilers general manager Peter Shirelli. Uh, we flew down to San Jose Monday, and uh, Todd McClellan was let go Tuesday morning. Ken Hitchcock, um, I will say this, Brian. For our market, uh, Peter Chiarelli could not have chosen, uh, especially on a short-term deal, a more popular candidate. Uh, and when you factor in his track record in St. Louis before turning a team around. Uh, so that end of it went well, but nonetheless, it was controversial. Uh, and you as a former manager, uh, at least a couple times off the top of my head, I think once in Vancouver, you got rid of Keenan and brought in, Mike, or, uh, uh, brought in Mark Crawford, uh, who was there for a number of years, and then uh, in Toronto, you made the change from Ron Wilson, who was your teammate of Providence, to Randy Carlyle, who won a cup with you in Anaheim. How difficult... Brian are these decisions especially when you factor in the human element
1: they're very difficult I mean I spoke to Peter Shirelli today and you could still hear the anguish in his voice I mean you bring in a coach you bring him in in the hopes that you'll succeed together you become very close friends you travel together you have dinner with their wives uh, and then you gotta fire this guy when you conclude that's what's best for the organization it's very difficult and I never fired a coach that I hired. The coaching changes I made all involved someone I didn't hire, and it was still difficult, even where, especially in Mike Keenan's case, I felt I had no choice. I had to do it. Uh, but even there, it's still no fun. It's still uh, an unpleasant time for him. And I know we pay the coach as well, but it's very humiliating when you get fired. Trust me, I've, I've been fired. Uh, you got to move. Your kids get teased. I mean, it's just... It's a crappy situation. Peter is still feeling the effects of it. But we we get paid, GMs get paid to do what we think is best for their team.
0: Give me your assessment on uh, Edmonton's situation uh, in terms of what they did replacing uh, Todd McClellan, who, as you know, is a terrific person, uh, with Ken Hitchcock, who has great history in the Edmonton market.
1: Right. So first off, let's talk about Todd McClellan. Excellent coach, great guy. He will coach again, and people in Edmonton should say thank you because he did the best he could, and and there's visible progress on a number of fronts there. Um, Ken Hitchcock is a a turnaround specialist. He's a mechanic. He he can come in and fix your team. Um, He's not warm and fuzzy. He's very old school, but he's going to come in and say, okay, this is how we're doing it. We're not negotiating it. I've done it long enough that I know that this works and you'll do it or you won't play. And it usually has a very uh, positive effect on a player's attitude when he realizes there's no negotiation here not a case of maybe I'll back check hard. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll back check between the dots. Maybe I won't To If I don't do exactly what he says, I'm not going to play. So short term, this should help. This should make a difference. Um, you know
0: he he's a his mentor was Claire Drake, who is a Western Canadian legend. And I don't know if you know this, Brian, but I was the sports information director at the University of Alberta. And Claire, I even the first year I did play-by-play at the U of A, uh, Claire had just stepped down, and Bill Morris had replaced him. And Claire was years ahead of his time. Claire was also not an ageist, and nor am I. In other words, I think smart people keep learning all their life, and I think that bodes well for Ken Hitchcock, because I know where he comes from. And, yeah, he might be old school, but it's different dealing with today's kids. And so I'm going to be very intrigued to see how he, uh, how he does things. You mentioned he's a mechanic. Does that have to do with the structure and the process that he implements with his teams when he goes into a new situation?
1: No, I meant more he tends to fix things. He's, he's a guy, if you look at his pattern, the last few jobs he's had were short-term fixes. Come in and see if you can get this fixed for us. And not, not that, you know, hey, we'd like to keep it for the next 10 years.
0: Yeah, well, that's, so I, uh, that's...
1: I, I think this. I think he's old school. I first met Hitch when he was coaching in Camrose. We had him as a guest coach in training camp in 1987 or 1988. Known him ever since. We're both Civil War freaks. Um, I respect Ken. I like Ken very much. Uh, I don't think it's a long-term fit for a young team of millennials, but right. it might be exactly what the doctor ordered for. November of 2018 might be exactly what they need. Peter has received some criticism
0: for how it was done. The fact that Todd McClellan flew to San Jose. I'm from the school. When is it ever the right? I get that. Like people would say, well, why did the order just fire him Sunday night after the loss against Vegas? Uh, There is no right. There's never a right time for anybody to fire a coach. Uh, And there's a lot of moving parts in these situations, aren't there?
1: Yeah, I, I haven't even asked Peter about that. because In my mind, this is this is when people find fault. Okay, so if you like Todd McClellan, we all do. Right. You want to find we well, want to find some fault. Say, well, why did they make him fly all the way there? My guess is I haven't asked Peter. My guess is they didn't have Hitch's deal all done. This would have happened in probably twelve hours. He probably hadn't even signed his deal when they were flying to San San Jose. So I, I don't know. How you do that better, you can't announce it or call again and tell them until you have the new guy under contract. So, as much as Todd probably resents that, um, I don't know how you how you get around that. Well,
0: and the fact is the Oilers would have re- needed to have permission from the Dallas Stars because technically he was a, uh, what, do, what do you want to call it, sort of a, you know, he retired but he was still a consultant. So they would, would have needed, you know, had they made all right, we're going to do this, let's get this thing done here with Hitch. They still have without yeah. their permission. So
1: uh, yeah, it's
0: good to they... go and ahead. I'd
1: separate the issues, Bob. Sorry to interrupt. I would separate the issues. Let's all agree that Tom McCollum's a good guy. Yep. And what, however gracefully they could have fired him, they should have. Let's all agree to that. And then give Peter the benefit of the doubt that he had to look after some things. So it wasn't perfect. I had to fire Ronnie Wilson, in a ho- and we played together for four years. His daughter's my goddaughter. I had to fire him in a hotel room in Montreal because I could not get Randy Cardinal's deal done before that. So you've been there. You know what it's like. Exactly. So I'm I'm not going to throw a rock at Peter Chiarelli for how it was done. I I am confident it was done as humanely as it could be done. And you're confident if Todd McClellan wants to coach again, he will get an opportunity
0: to be a head coach again in the league?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think so. I'll tell you why. It's not just that he, he did a good job in his first two stops. It's also he came through a, a really good pipeline with a lot of assistant coaches and a lot of head coaches that came through Wilkes-Barre. And he, he's got a, a real good network there. He might have to be an assistant coach somewhere like Glenn Gollinson is right now. Yep. Dallas, Eakins, Dallas Eakins is back in the American League. He might have to step back, but I believe he'll coach again. I think he's too good a coach not to. Well, it's funny because you mentioned Dallas
0: Akins and uh, that situation in Edmonton. I mean, he was following the guidelines of what uh, Craig McTavish and Scott Housen wanted with their team. They wanted to change some things around. Um, Ralph Kruger's name got mentioned uh, as an option in St. Louis. I could foresee a bunch of different guys that have run. Like, I could see if... I never want to write off... I'm never going to write off the Anaheim Ducks. You can't. They're like Mike Myers in Halloween. They're never dead. Lo and behold, U.S. Thanksgiving, they're in third. But they're not the same team they were. They got a lot of injuries on defense. And if Anaheim's to make a change with Randy Carlisle at some point, I could see Dallas being that guy. I could see Todd Nelson getting an opportunity to be a head coach in the NHL. I could see somebody giving Kruger a shot and I certainly could see Todd McClellan uh, getting a chance as well, so it, it just illustrates well, we've had a lot of head coaches in Edmonton, but it also shows that you know the game's fluid and situations are fluid. Do you agree that Akins is going to get
1: another opportunity to be a head coach somewhere? Absolutely. His team has been excellent and in San Diego. I think he's in a lot of people's minds, he's first in line on the, on the young group and he's got NHL head coaching experience so I think he'll be first in line. It's interesting, Brian. Uh, the Battle of
0: Alberta means a lot. We know that. And Steve Tambellini, who worked with uh, you back in the day, albeit in a slightly different role, uh, you know, the Oilers lost one night to, to Calgary during the, geez, it would have been during the 12 13 season at home, five nothing, on a Saturday night, and Steve was relieved of his duties the next day. Uh, the Oilers had a really emotional game against the Flames, who right now are hot. They got a red-hot number-one goaltender who bailed them out that night at critical times, and they're deep up front. They got a deep team up front, and, you know, that was an emotional hockey game. You've been on the other end of that. You've been on the Calgary end of it. Is it heated the same way in terms of does everything get magnified when you're playing that Battle of Alberta game?
1: Yes. It took me about 30 seconds when I got off the plane in Calgary to start hating Edmonton. I mean, and it's, it's the same thing when I got to Toronto. I always liked the Montreal Canadiens until I got to Toronto. I, within a week, I, I I was wishing them all horrible fates. I mean, it's, it's part of the. It's so ingrained in the relationship that if we had our druthers, we wouldn't even play Edmonton in the preseason. But we kind of have to economically and so on. So it's it's it, and it. it add spice to the games like those games are different they mean more there's more emotion and more uh... more uh... hatred and and more just more juice in those games so yeah i've seen i i've enjoyed those games well they've been highly physical i mean you'd remember this
0: darnell nurse uh, did a number on rasmus anderson in the rookie tournament and then he flew down with the oilers and you guys had hunter smith in the lineup and nurse opened up because Smith's a tough kid. you guys took him in the second round, late round pick a little bit of a late uh, bloomer, and they I mean there was no defense. They just stood back and chucked him. It was a punch in the face comp It was awesome, <laughs> and uh, nurse dope. did pretty well, but I want to talk about Sam Bennett because you guys took him fourth and fourteen after the os got dry settle. Um, I thought Buffalo was going to pass on dry settle just because they drafted so many Europeans over the previous four or five years, so good for and that happened. Bennett's had a, uh, a tough time getting offensive traction, but he, he can chuck them. Like, he is a tough SOB, isn't he? He's, he's,
1: he's a really uh, unusual combination because he has enough skill that he was drafted that high. At one point, he was seen as a guy who would put up big numbers, and he can play center and left wing. He can take faceoffs. He can kill penalties. But because of the skill level, he can move up and down the lineup. So this is a guy you could start him in a game on the third line and move him up if there were an injury or your guys weren't clicking. You could easily move him up to the second line or even the first line short term. So he's got tremendous value as a player because not too many guys can go up a lineup. A lot of guys can go down in a lineup. But this guy can play one through four, and he can play center or left wing. And he can kill penalties. And he can take faceoffs. And he can fight. So he is a valuable commodity. And he, he's finally they found a spot for him and defined his role clearly, and told him what he had to do. And he is just thriving. I texted him the other night and said I'm so, so happy for you, that you finally found a home and a spot that works for you, and you're playing great. Keep it up. So yeah, he's been terrific. And he is a warrior. He is not afraid. I mean, he's, he fought he fought Nurse the other night. He's given away at least 25 pounds there, and he would jumped right in. It was you know fine with him. It, it was a draw. It was a, you know. And
0: as we mentioned, I mean, I think Darnell beat Hunter Smith, and I I think that Sam Bennett did better. Uh, there is one guy that has changed the complexion of the Battle of Alberta. His name is Matthew Kishak. Get, Get a little bit of feedback there, feedback there Brian. Well, Brian.
1: Um, um, what Chucky does is, what Chucky does is what Chucky does is. And, and we knew this when we drafted him. When Columbus took Dubois, we knew we were going to get Chucky. We knew Matthew was and – we're fist-bumping under the table. We were really – we liked Levy. We liked the kid that Vancouver took. But we thought Matthew could Chucky is, is what we needed. We felt we drafted a bunch of defensemen, and we needed a forward with some skill and some grit. And what he does is his hockey IQ is off the chart. He's so mature for a 19-year-old. He's physically tough, but his hockey IQ is – he is making plays that, that you 25-year-olds don't make. And he does all this with just average skating ability. He's not a great skater. But everything he does works great, and his real gift is tipping pucks in front of the net. Uh, the only guy I ever had that could tip pucks like this was Tony Tanti back in the day. Wow. Joe, Pavelski, wow. Joe Pavelski with Team USA, who are, who are you know, sick – good puck tippers. Matthew's like that. He, he can get everything. So, his future is so bright. He, You know, he's leading their team in scoring. My guess is that Johnny Armani will go by him. Yeah. But he's going to be in the top three in scoring, and he's tough, and he's a leader, and just a great draft pick. All right. So, All right. just for the record, because you mentioned before, you guys like Pauly Arby, too. Pauly too.
0: But yep. you thought he was going to be he's gone. To be like gone. You thought there's no way the others would, would pass on him.
1: Wait. We, we like Pooley-Arvey a lot. And that's why I say people should be based on him. But you levy also, the kid that Vancouver took in that draft, we liked him a lot too. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. the Oilers, you, you know, it's, you it's, you know it's, you I, I saw Kachuk at the uh, you know, of, Memorial Cup that yeah, year. Chris Knobloch was coaching here, he here, and he called me and top top said, Bob, this guy is a balls-out player, and he's got unbelievable games and he's playing on a broken ankle. So I, lo- I love, I lo- I love them. I love them. But I got to tell you, as a I guy, guy north of a uh, red, uh, red Deer, you know, you know, he knows, he game, knows game, and he knows and who to target, who, who, to target, target get after, who to get after, and he goes right, to, he that goes edge. right to that edge. Is he going to have to answer the bell? If, the if, you're, if, you're, if, running if calendar, you're running calendar, do you want him to? You, want him you know, to, is he going to you know, have to? He's, he's have fought, to, five he he fought five times in his, times his time career, time but is
1: he going to have to, engage, have to with engage with some others? With some others? Well, if, if you play like that, yes, you're going to have to. You're not going to have a choice. Like Zach Cassian challenged him the other night, but he didn't give him no choice. He tried to avoid taking the instigator. Yeah. But someone's going to grab him some nights, and now he's going to have to fight. And that's If you want to play that way, you better be willing to, you know, put some coins in that meter once in a while. But fighting Zach Cassian, it didn't bother me at all. And mind you, I don't work for the Flames anymore. My beef, if you saw the broadcast the other night, was I thought the Flames should address someone to handle that specific duty, and they didn't. And I, I, I don't like going to gunfights with knives in my pocket. So I was sou- sour about that. But he's gonna have to fight. But I don't think he has to fight a heavyweight like Zach Cassian. Yeah, and, you know, nurses tried to get him to go, even
0: Brandon Davidson, a couple years ago, because it was one of Kachuk's first NHL game. game. He knocked Davidson out of the lineup for about uh, three weeks there. Uh, We're joined by Brian
1: Burke
0: for Friends of Canadian Power Power Pack. Just a quick thought. The timing of the firing of Todd McClellan and bringing Hitch in, who's a fixer. It's U.S. Thanksgiving. The Oilers are one point out of the playoff spot. They're by no means out of it. I mean, is that part of the reason why you think Peter Shirelli was that
1: proactive? I know that's part of the reason. He told me that today. He said, I saw the season slipping away. This is, I, I, got, I get very angry with early season firings. I think our business is way too impatient with GMs and coaches. It makes me so angry. I was so mad at the player, the Edmonton players, when Tom McClellan got fired. If I could have gone in the dressing room, I would have told them all off. That this, is, this is what happens when you guys don't perform. A good guy gets chopped off at the knees. And, and I, I'm so mad at the players in, in L.A. that John Stevens got fired. This is my pet peeve. A guy gets 15 games, he gets fired. I blame the players and the players only for that. That being said, the timing of this, Peter Shirelli said to me today, is in large part because I didn't want the season to slip away. They're right there. It's not too late. And this old adage that whoever's out of the playoffs on U.S. Thanksgiving never makes it. I went through and looked at that a couple of years ago. That's not so true in the last four or five years. Yeah, it's about seventy
0: percent, seventy-five percent, right? I think sixty-two out of eighty. So, yeah, and that's and I mean the Oilers are one point out the Pacific Division uh, right now. San Jose and Calgary look like the best teams. I mean the Oilers found a way to beat San Jose. Calgary's really humming offensively, but absolutely, I think the Oilers have got a chance to get into it. Uh, Brian, final question for you. Uh, in terms of uh, you know, there's going to be a return engagement December ninth. The Flames playing the second of a back-to-back. Would that be an opportunity if you were managing the team to have Peluso or uh, Dalton Prout recalled for that game?
1: Well, is Prout still – is he not still up? He went down for conditioning stint yesterday. Yeah, the conditioning. So he wasn't on waivers. Yes. If I were involved with the Calgary Flames, I would strongly urge that uh, one or both of those people are in the building. I lied. How many times as a general manager
0: did you talk to your players? Like, how many times would you go, like, I know you'd obviously do something at the start of the year where you'd address all the guys that are there, including the guys, you know, that are likely HL-bound and even kids that are going to go back to junior and that sort of thing. But once the season gets going, you get down to that 23-man roster, how often would you, in a year, speak to the players?
1: I don't, most years, never. So we, here's, here's the schedule. We have a training camp meeting. We lay down the law. Then we make our final cuts. We have a meeting with our team. Okay, congratulations, you made the team. Here's the rules. Talk after the trade deadline. Explain to the team they deserve to know. Here's what we did. Here's what we tried to do. We didn't change much because we believe in you guys. Boom, boom, boom. And then year-end meetings. So that would be it. I went in the room and talked to the players In, in my 15 years running teams. Because remember, I spent five years at the NHL office, too. Yeah. In those 15 years, I would have gone in and talked during the season maybe a half dozen times.
0: Well, I can tell you this. We're glad we have added you to our team. Thank you, and we'll, well look forward to talking next week.
1: I'm enjoying it. Thank you. It's nice to be able to get along with people in Edmonton for once. Well, it's early yet. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Brian. Have a good week. Okay. Thanks, Bob. You've had,
0: courtesy of Canadian Power Pack, that's Brian Burke, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication and solar. You can text us on our Heartland Ford text line, don't buy a new or pre-owned Ford without giving Heartland Ford a chance. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford out in Fort Saskatchewan. 127 in Edmonton, 12.27 out here in uh, Anaheim, California. We'll take a timeout off to an Eileen Bell, Global News Weather Traffic Update. When we come back, Stauffer and Specter for Horse Racing, Alberta. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.